Ready to pop the question? The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds, and they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Hello. Hello. Welcome to Postcards from Midlife. I'm Trish Halpin. And I'm Lorraine Candy, and we're on a mission to help you make the most of your magnificent midlife. We'll be tackling everything from mind and body wellness to HRT and your sex drive. Trish and I are here to help you have a stylish second act and answer all your midlife questions on fashion, beauty, careers, relationships, family, and as always, the challenges and joys of parenting teens. Well, there's a definite nip in the air, isn't there? There it's is. It's chilly. It's feeling autumnal, which means you'll be pleased to hear, Lorraine. I've uh, I've got my vests out. Oh, my no. vests are back out. Hold I love me back. I, I love wearing a vest. a vest, and I see that you have your little nod to winter that you're wearing today. What do you call it, Trish? Remind I call me. it. I'm going to call it a woolly tabard. Tabard. Do you remember <laughs> that moment in the? Bister Village changing rooms. I don't know why we were sharing a changing room. Bizarre. God knows. And you kept saying to me, you can't wear that tabard. You can't wear that tabard. As if I was going to go and make some kind of religious speech in it. I don't know. I think more like a sort of dinner lady's top. But anyway, it's a very stylish one. Actually, that is a very nice one that you're wearing. It's a sort of lilac-y pale blue. Well, it keeps you warm. But it's on the outside and it's fashionable. It's not on the inside Mm. and fluffy like a vest. Yes, keeping our lungs and kidneys warm. That's what it's all about, isn't it? After a few weeks of emptiness, doom and gloom, you're all glad to know that we've perked right up. Can we say a big thank you to all of you lovely listeners for getting us through a tough few weeks with your lovely emails, messages and Facebook posts. I mean, to be honest, it doesn't take a lot to put a smile on our faces, no. does it? I mean, you were very excited, Lorraine, by Sarah's post on the group about <laughs> T-Bay motorway services, weren't you? I know. One minute. I'm in the front row in Milan, and the next, I'm at T-Bay, up north, very far up north, almost in Scotland, buying a 3.99 tea cake and loving yes. it. Yes, I felt you were quite unimpressed with my enthusiasm <laughs> when I mentioned this the other week, dropping my daughter number two off at uni in Scotland. I think you might have rolled your eyes, actually, Trish, as well. Yes. But listen, the people on the Facebook group, Sarah, they're backing me up. They're saying it's their favourite stop in the whole of the country. And she's always there when she's journeying from Scotland to the southwest. So... Mm, yes, like the re- it, Trish, I was reverse of your journey. But okay, fair enough. I think we can say one nil to you in this uh, riveting motorway service yes. station. Well, I'll start a blog about it for you all. <laughs> right, I'm just going to quickly nip back to the empty nest because I want to tell everybody it's not that bad. Um, the twins are absolutely loving uni, so that's making me feel a lot better about the fact that they're not there. And Neil and I are adjusting to being on our own once again. We're singing Just the Two of Us. Do you remember that song, Bill Withers? <laughs> Just the two of us. (laughs) 
Except of course there aren't slippers yet. Well, yes, that's coming to go with our vests. But um, of course, there are four of us because there's the dog and the cat. And you won't be surprised to hear that Margot is not adjusting well. She's not good with change. She's not at all. We had a high level meeting, didn't we, on Zoom the other day? And you were hiding from Margot. You were hiding from her because she was stalking you. Like yeah. Kato from the Pink Panther. Oh, God, everywhere I turned, there she was. Yes, Because she, she's normally glued to Esme, you see, and she sleeps right. in her room, she's there with her all the time. And when we did the deep clean of the children's rooms, it needed needed deep cleaning, both of them. Oh the God. hoover was full of uh, fluffy Margot cream-coloured fur, no less. Um, from Esme's room. Yeah, from Esme's room, so just full of Margot fur. But Neil made the mistake of shutting the door on the room so she couldn't get in, and she was very upset. She was raging, raging and yowling <laughs> about it, literally. It's very annoying. You know what you're going to have to do? You're going to have uh, to call in the cat Reiki person. Oh, remember Lucy yes. William-Reed, who we had on last week, was telling us about her, that um, yes. she massages her cats and they're very... Oh, yes, they lie on their backs with their paws in the air. Yes. Mm. Or I could make a little um, feline muscle. (laughs) Run one up on my sewing machine. Talked about sewing, didn't we? We did talk about sewing. I like the idea, but I'm not sure your sewing skills are up to it, quite frankly. Just listen to last week's Nostalgia Noodle, if anybody wants to know what we're talking about. Sew the top bit. Enough. Hang her up in the cupboard. Call the RSPCA. Stop right now. Stop right now. So, um, on to more important and less jovial matters. You've had a bit of a week of it, haven't you? Because you had to make an emergency dash to see your dear old dad. No tea-based services for me. I had to head down to Plymouth because my dad had a heart attack. He's Mm. all well and good now. He's home. Um, It was a quick trip (laughs) and to see him because he wasn't in long, thankfully. But let me tell you, those nurses at Dereford Hospital in uh, Devon are just absolutely wonderful. And we could learn so much. And the nurse that looked after my dad was called Joy. And she was her name. She was a Joy. Yes, I watched her pottering around, administering high-level care. And it looked very complicated in some cases. And she was just really joyous. Oh, well, that's that's really good to hear. So big up to the nurses everywhere, not just yeah. in Derriford Hospital, but this is the kind of classic yes. thing, isn't it? You're the filling in the classic midlife sandwich right now, aren't you? No sooner have you got kids settled in universities, starting new schools, when an aged P needs your time and support. Yes. And, you know, it's not easy, is it? And that's the kind of reason really why we're here, why we started the podcast to support each other through the midlife mayhem um, and on the Facebook group too. So if you're in need of a little support, do come on over and join in the chat on Facebook. We love hearing your stories. We're here to give advice, support, um, just virtual hugs. And of course, we love your brain fog moments, brain farts, and your memories and nostalgia noodles too. I know. We, we love all of that, all the threads. And there's always somebody who can help out who's been through it mm. um, and can give some support and information and resources as well. Now, our special guest today has sparked a few memories for me. TV presenter Anthea Turner. Mm. Very excited about meeting Anthea. She's always very jolly um, because I was a bit jealous of her, like I was for in Britain. Yes. She presented all the Gen X TV shows, like my favourite too. Mm. Blue Peter, Top of the Pops. Oh, she got all the good gigs. But I'd, I'm not sure that is why you're really jealous of her because she was married to Peter Powell, wasn't she? And uh, long term. Peter Powell. <laughs> Great <one> <laughs> Well... 
there we are, nail on the head. Uh, long-term listeners of this show will know that you um, stalked Peter Powell, didn't you, at a Radio wow. 1 roadshow in Cornwall many wow. moons ago. That's wow. why you're jealous of Anthea. You've got to go back into the archives and to listen to this scintillating mm. stuff. He was the first celebrity I met because it was my first assignment um, ever yes. as a journalist on the uh, Cornish Times was to go and follow the roadshow, the Radio 1 roadshow, which was basically just a shack and some porter cabins <laughs> on that beach in, in Cornwall. <laughs> Oh, but you have do. Anthea's story. Well, I do I feel actually. Like it might it's be more impressive. Well, it's a slightly once removed Anthea story, and I, I've sort of always loved her since since this. So, um, about twenty years ago, long time ago, my Neil, who is was and will be a photographer, he did a cover shoot of Anthea Turner <laughs> for She Magazine. Do you remember She? She Magazine. Yeah. Um, somebody called Alison, I was a bit scared of her, I used to edit that. Oh, yes, yeah, yeah, yeah. No, it's a really nice magazine. And Neil got kind of assigned to do this photo shoot. So he had to uh, tootle off in the car down to Anthea's house. And the concept for the shoot, I do urge everybody to Google this because you'll see the picture. You may or may not remember. Do you remember American Beauty, that iconic yes. film, you know, yeah. when she's lying on those rose petals? It's yes. that really iconic image. Well, they recreated it with Anthea <laughs> strawberries instead of petals. So, <laughs> which is actually very effective. It's a really, really pretty um, magazine cover because it's all about Anthea being laid bare. So there she is sort of naked, covered in strawberries. And Neil got to take the photograph and he said she was so friendly. And in order to kind of get the right angle for the shot, Anthea's husband at the time, Grant Bovey, brought over his, he had a sort of digger thing with a bucket in it and Neil got into the bucket <laughs> and shot the pictures of Anthea in the strawberries from above and Do you she think... just was game and just carried absolutely. on absolutely yeah. and then they made them cups of tea they were delightful she was delightful um do, do you think do I've made that us? up is it like no no I think I lied to you happened. I feel yeah. like that's the kind of silliness we got up to in magazines in those days should we do that for our next magazine oh i think so strawberries i might do some beetroot maybe that could be good stop it anyway (laughs) we're going to find out more about anthea and what she's been up to when she joins us shortly but today we're also doing something else i quite enjoy we are morphing into agony aunts joan Mm -hmm. and jerica watch out i know you're quaking in your boots we've got some juicy midlife dilemmas um and we're going to unleash our alter egos you might remember angry millie Viz, Millie that's you that's, me. that's you yeah and judgy marion that's you Trish. that's me judgy marion and we're going to find out what they might do in these situations as well as offering some sensible advice too yes it will make sense as we get going i promise it won't make sense trish none of it makes <laughs> sense. not amanda our producer should just edit it out i think that yeah. was yeah we can always rely on amanda <laughs> anyway as always we'll be ending the show with a nostalgia noodle i'm warning you now lorraine it could involve a little basic primary school level maths are you going to be okay with that i won't be able to do that no okay okay but it'll be entertaining won't it yes listen up folks the agony aunts are in residence yes we are once again about to give our sage and wise older lady advice on some midlife problemos um lorraine i'm going to kick off with this one from helen who says are you ready I had a male colleague make a reference to CND today and ask me, do you know who that is? What I wanted to say was, mate, not only do I know who they are, I was there marching, but I didn't. I'm in a weird position in that I work for a progressive company. The demographic is quite youthful and I don't look my 
age, I feel like such a square peg and I'm embarrassed, increasingly feeling the age gap in terms of experience, but actually looking younger than I am. In my personal life, I count my blessings. In my professional life, I just feel so isolated. I feel like a secret dinosaur and an imposter posing as younger than I am. And it makes me feel so unsettled and insecure. What do you do think? you want me to go first? I think you should. Well, I might take a controversial view here. Um, this is about being seen as who mm -hmm. you are, isn't it? Which is what we all want to uh, happen to us as we get older. You know, in other cultures, in the Maori culture, in, in Indian culture, Native American culture, older women are wiser women. They're revered. Mm -hmm. Many are worshipped, <laughs> Trish. Mm -hmm. So they wouldn't be putting up with this nonsense at work. But I think that's a bit of a side issue just from reading her comments. I think she's a little bit worried herself about this and you know your age is not the most important thing about you she's not going to change the culture at work and I think maybe looking at where you put your value so mm. in some ways I get a sense I don't know enough about Helen that she puts a lot of value in her youthfulness mm -hmm. and actually her youthfulness probably isn't where her value is um, and it's just a switch of mindset I think herself and then she won't take it so personally one of the other things she could do is to try and be more at the center of the culture rather than looking in I feel like she's looking in from the outside mm -hmm. I'm older I'm a secret dinosaur I'm an imposter I look younger all these phrases feel like she's looking from the outside so maybe coming in a bit in the group finding other women who are interested in her life and her knowledge and things that she knows might make her feel less worried about this kind of thing because mm -hmm. I don't think she's going to change the culture but she can change her reaction to it and, and, and value what is unique about her and mm -hmm. the uniqueness is is being older and being yeah. wiser well, it's interesting, isn't it? Because she actually sort of answers her own question halfway through that by saying that age shouldn't be an issue. So she knows age shouldn't be an issue. And I don't, doesn't sound to me like that guy was making an issue no, of her age. That's what I mean just, about valuing. Yeah, so it's just her reaction to it. She's obviously got the old shitty committee going on in her head, hasn't she, yeah. planting these ideas. So she needs to get them to, to bugger off and, and focus on what she's good at and why she is employed there and why she is good at her job. And I just think how brilliant to be with some youngsters listen to their take on life you can smile smugly inwardly when you know that you've been there and you've done it and you've got the answer and you have to just kind of watch them kind of muddling on through and lucky you Helen to look younger than your years that's quite nice isn't it well lucky you Helen to have marched with CND yes. campaign for nuclear disarmament yes, exactly. is all oh, yes. in favour of she got that. to say about that yes march good. away take him to one side pin him against the wall and yes. tell him what's what <laughs> exactly and shall i tell you what um what would marion do marion judgy prudish sort of rule following marion would say have you checked your workplace policy on diversity and inclusion <laughs> because i'm sure as well as everything yeah. else grace gender sexual orientation we older ladies and gents will be protected in there too so take yes. it up with hr that's what marion would say and wear your vest and wear your vest <laughs> Exactly. Okay, so next up, we've got a tricky friend situation from Jane, who says, I've made a really nice group of local friends in recent years who I enjoy having girly nights out with, and we're planning a weekend away to celebrate our special birthdays next spring. The problem, listen to this, Trish, the problem is one of the women has introduced an old friend of hers who I really don't like. She's one of those people who's on transmit 70% of the time and doesn't listen the other 30%. As soon as someone starts speaking, she starts to talk over them. It's not that 
that she's being rude or obnoxious. She just doesn't seem to read the social cues of normal conversation and probably thinks she's just joining in. I dread it if I have to sit next to her and have to stop myself rolling my eyes sometimes when she interrupts the flow of conversation yet again. I am in two minds as to whether to go on the trip in case she goes. Should I make my excuses now? What do you think, Trish? To, oh, to stay, dear. to go, to join Jane, in? Jane, it's Roll difficult, eyes, isn't Jane. it? You've got this lovely thing going on and then someone comes along and spoils it. And... Um, yeah, I think there's there's some interesting things here because I think the first thing, if we focus on the trip, I would do that thing where you imagine yourself in the future, maybe a year on from the trip and you look back and your friends are all talking about it and they've all had a lovely time. Are you going to be really sad that you've missed out? Are you going to think, oh, do you know what? I could have put up with a bit of butting in and a bit of eye rolling. Could you, could you go and just try your best to tolerate and ignore at the same time this person. And also, is there any way you can find out if she's going before you commit as well? That's could the thing. Ask. Yes. You could ask. You could try and see what what could happen. And I suppose it's just that thing of oh god, what can you do? You try. You've just got to try and maybe find out what others like about her. Maybe it's she's still early into this group. She doesn't understand the group dynamics. I'm being very charitable here. What would you say, Lorraine? Well, I've got some other thoughts. Mm. Um, she's got what they call social competency deficit, hasn't she? <laughs> the friend uh, has. The yes. friend has. She yes. doesn't. She's read, not reading the cues, um, and mm. she's not understanding what's going on. So, and I think we all know that in midlife, our tolerance levels do mm. decline. So we may be reacting sl- with slightly less patience than we had before so we may put up with this 10 years ago and just ignored it and got on so it's worth Mm. checking in whether this is just causing slightly more problems with you now because you've got less patience and whether you could probably just deal with it at the time it's about setting boundaries as well but it's also a little bit about having compassion for someone who is like Mm. that why are they like that why does she feel the need to dominate and talk over everything perhaps you could talk to your friend about that Mm -hmm. and just just say monitor it and just say this is an observation I have about your friend I wonder if she's come Mm. And then I had another thought, an outside thought that came in. Is it a Millie thought? It's not a Millie thought. No, it's not a Millie thought, but it is a thought. We often complain about the things we don't like about ourselves. (gasps) Oh, so we often right. complain about this. It's mirroring, isn't it? There mm. might, it might be things, patterns we've carried from our childhood that we don't like about ourselves that someone else may have said is true of us. So would would Jane perhaps be a bit of an interrupter? And she feels, Ooh. I don't know. It's, I always think yes. in life it's worth being slightly curious about why these strong feelings... Yes. Yes, you're right. It could be. Could it be that Jane herself likes to be the centre of attention, maybe, in the conversation? What it is is worth worth Jane thinking about about herself missing out on something, which she's, by her own admission, at the beginning of her letter, she says she would really normally enjoy. Yes, yes. Shall I tell you what Marion might say? Because as well as being prudish and judgy, I think Marion's a bit passive-aggressive. And I think... (laughs) I think what Marion might do is yeah. start a conversation within the group about someone she met recently who's really annoying because she just doesn't listen to people and talks over them all the time. <laughs> and isn't that annoying when people Marianne. do that? Marion might say that, Marianne. you think? <laughs> what about me? You Millie? know what Millie would do? Go on. She would go on the trip, sit next to the friend, and when she started talking, she'd put her hand up and <gasps> say, Stop, stop. 
I'm still enough, speaking. Enough. enough already. Yes, she would. That's, you know, all of these things are possibilities. Run it through. The Nothing time, is yeah. off the table. When I say final. Millie, I mean me. Yes, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> Millie is your put, kind of oh, giving you permission to be you, is. isn't she? Right, let's do number three. This okay. is quite <laughs> traumatic, this one. Yes. So on to our third and final uh, dilemma for this week. We've saved the big one, really, to the last. Um, and I have to say it had my Me Too little synapses pinging. Um, it's from Delia, who says, I had an argument with my 15-year-old daughter last week and she told me I was a terrible mother. It left me feeling devastated, especially as the truth is that I have found parenting incredibly hard, especially while holding down a full-time job that requires me to travel. I've always thought that I had done my best for my two children and with my salary have been able to give them a really comfortable life in a nice home and annual holidays I know I haven't been around as much as my mum was for me ironically we're not particularly close now but I would hate to think that my kids wouldn't be close to me in the future my husband just tells me to ignore the comment and move on but I can't help thinking that maybe my daughter is right Lorraine, we need all your parenting well, all of us, expertise on this one. Absolutely all of us. Yeah. I can't think of anyone I know whose teenagers haven't said you're the worst mother. In mm. fact, I know someone whose older children have said, I think you were a bad mother. So what's happening, according to the experts I spoke to for my book, so you don't, A, don't take it personally. We mm. are all good enough mothers. That, that's all we can be. We can be the best we can be in the context of who we are, how our brains work and our own childhood, and we're good enough. And we're going to make mistakes. But when they get to the teenage years and their brain is dismantled and put back together again and they begin separating, the halo on mum has gone. Mm -hmm. <laughs> and it's a bit of a shock for them. <laughs> but I thought she was wonderful. I thought she was my hero. She was my everything. Mm -hmm. Hold on a minute. She's being a bit shouty. Hold on a minute. She's dropped the ball over here. This is not how I want things to be. So, of course, their first reaction, because they're testing adulthood and they're testing mm -hmm. adult emotions is to go too far and say the worst thing and they're also saying it to the person they know will still love them whatever they say so yeah. they can say you're a bad mother just to see how that pans out to sense what those emotions are and to feel that and they've got to separate from you and in order to separate from you they can't see you as all good because that's illogical it doesn't make any sense yeah. how can you separate from someone who's perfect they've got to see their 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 spotlight is on the bad bits or the bits mm. that you yourself and they know you better than anyone else in the whole world especially daughters they've mirrored you all the way through yeah. up until that point so this is perfectly natural part of the de developmental stage that they're going through it's not unexpected but it's unexpected for you so you're probably taking it really personally it's probably very hurtful and also all children have different personalities so they will all react in different ways when they realize you're not this perfect human mm -hmm. that you were before and they've got to separate in her head in all our heads i think what we have to do is just take away that idea that we are good enough in the context of who we are and where we are at that point and that's the best we can do it's a bit painful she's only 15 it's not going to yeah. get better it's going to get worse for a bit or it might pan out that might be the mm -hmm. limit of her separation but i think that's probably my advice on yes that. yeah i mean again i totally agree with you we all think this right and and you know we all look back and think what could i've done differently what could i've done better and i think the moments for me that the only real major regrets have been the kind of when you react in anger to something and you haven't, yeah. you know, you just snap, you're reacting anger. And, um, you know, I always feel terrible about it afterwards. But I kind of found that as, as they got into their teens and a little bit older, they, they just, if you then 
apologize if you feel that you should apologize and you open up a dialogue about it they can really kind of come to kind of trust you and understand you and really open up about it and I think for anyone in this situation who's struggling with communication they should listen to the episode we did where we had a how to win at midlife with Dr Gory Seth about communication just review your communication skills and your communication time would you talk I think I talked to my daughter about it and ask her why why she said that and you know not what in the heat do of the moment no because their brains are never working properly mm. it's about what they call rupture and repair isn't mm-hmm. it it's really never about the argument in parenting it's about how you come back from the argument and teenagers really need to feel listened to and heard because mm-hmm. they don't feel that themselves so talking about it maybe 24 hours later what what did you mm-hmm. think i'd done particularly and it's not a winning argument situation it's mm-hmm. just a, going through and how do they feel about it and why do they feel you're a bad mother. I think it takes a while for you to process these things, both of you, doesn't it? Yeah. If I was Millie, Millie yes, yes. I'd go um into the car mm. and I'd shut the door and I'd have the a, a terrible conversation. I'd say, how dare you call me a bad mother? <laughs> I'd have the conversation. <laughs> have an imaginary conversation. Entirely wrong. <laughs> yes. I'd have an imaginary conversation, get that out of my system and then go back in as mum who would step in front oh, of me. Does Millie, Millie doesn't get upset and tearful then and sad Millie's about really things angry like that. all the time. Oh, she's just, just <laughs> really angry. Okay, fair just enough. Bloody cross. Oh, what would well, Marion do? Well, because she's so just no-nonsense, pragmatic, sort of get on with it a bit, isn't she? Don't, silly, silly, silliness. I think she'd probably think your husband has the right idea, ignore it and, and move on you know you work you've provided for this this girl this ungrateful girl <laughs> this ungrateful child with all her holidays being a parent doesn't yeah. mean you have to be totally selfless does it no um, it doesn't would you take her tweezers maybe and hide them or something oh like maybe that? Get yes. a, a secret revenge yes secret revenge so there we have it proper advice from proper experts we've spoken to stuff from inside our heads and also a special thanks to marion and lily for their thoughts yes flexibility is great that's why there's yoga flexibility for your insurance coverage is great too that's why there's united healthcare insurance plans Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, United Healthcare Insurance Plans offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. One of these plans may be right for you if you're, say, between jobs, coming off your parents' plan, turning a side hustle into a full hustle, or even missed open enrollment. Want more flexibility? Find out more about United Healthcare Insurance Plans at uh1.com. When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second-guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. As you know, we like to share the life learnings of women who've encountered many different situations over the years. And today we're chatting with a woman whose breadth of experience we hope will deliver a wealth of useful knowledge for you. It's time to meet Anthea Turner, TV star and the face of many of our much-loved Gen X telly shows, from Top of the Pops and GMTV to the National Lottery. 
Anthea, 61, is also the author of seven books, the latest being How to Age Well, The Secrets. She became the second highest paid female TV presenter, after Cilla Black, in the 90s, first grabbing our attention aged 32 as a Blue Peter presenter. Her career has spanned more than 30 years and she has appeared on many primetime shows including The Jump, First Dates, Celebrity SAS Who Dares Wins, Celebrity Big Brother, Celebrity Antique Road Trip, Dancing on Ice, Perfect Housewife and most recently The Real Life Dirty Dancing, where a certain young cast member developed quite a crush on her. Anthea's relationships have often made headlines, from her first marriage to DJ Peter Powell to her high-profile divorce from second husband Grant Bovey, which caught the tabloid's attentions for many years. Today we'll be chatting about how she handled her young life in the public eye, how she rose to the top of her career, what it's like being a stepmom, she has three stepdaughters, and how she stays fit and healthy at 61, and what it's like to fall in love again later in life. Welcome to Postcards from Midlife. Anthea, how are you today? I'm very well, thank you. What's happening in the world of Anthea Turner this week? What's in your diary? I'm I'm sitting in my lounge at the moment. I got back from Ibiza last night, which is fantastic at 62 to say you've just had three days in Ibiza. And we parted in a nice way, though. We realised that we've all come back with no headache. And I just put a whitewash on and chit-chatting to all my various friends. (laughs) I cannot settle until I've opened that suitcase. The washing has gone on. Things are hanging at the moment on drying racks. And now I'm happy and now I can relax and talk to you. (laughs) We're glad to hear you've had such a lovely time because it's been quite stressful for you this year, Anthea. I mean, like a lot of our listeners, you've been caring for elderly parents and you lost your lovely mum, Jean, didn't you, who died at the age of 91. How have you dealt with the grief process and also caring for your dad, Brian? How's that been for you? I'm obviously in that age group where you say goodbye to parents. Um, I think I'm very lucky to have had my mom into her 92nd year. My dad is 90 in January. He's, um, He's very fit and healthy. But of course, lonely now, you know, they were together for 67 years. My mom, and I know a lot of people will concur with this, she had mini stroke and um, she did that thing that a lot of people do. And I think it's a lot of women. She fell over a few times. She lost her confidence. So she stopped moving. She was frightened to walk. And as soon as you do that, especially as an older person, you become physically weaker. And then, of course, you're going to fall even more. She was and a teacher, she, wasn't she, your mum? She was a teacher. She always realised that school wasn't just for education. It was to send you out into the world. She obviously ended up with a dyslexic child, which must have horrified us. <laughs> she was very supportive of your career and you having a career, wasn't she? Take us back to the beginning, because you started with Bruno Brooks on radio, didn't you? I got a job working for the Automobile Association and I got there and they said, oh, would you like to do the road traffic reports on the local BBC station, which is BBC Radio Stoke. And because you've got an extra £14 a month, which was basically my petrol money, I thought, that's great. Okay, then. So I did that. So I started doing road traffic reports. I just like the environment, the radio environment. So I started Anna Racking at the local BBC station. And then it was actually my boyfriend at the time, Bruno, got offered a job in London to go work on Radio 1. And I got a job working for a record company as a plugger. So I came down to London and then just by accident went for an audition because I had a little bit of time on my hands. I needed to earn some more money to be a video jock on Sky. 
with Pat Shaw, actually, and Gary Davis, and I got the job. That's where you started. No, no, but I got sacked from that job after a year because the lady who ran the station said I really wasn't cool enough and I wasn't hip and trendy enough. And I tried to look (laughs) like a reject from Bananarama, but I just didn't pass it off somehow. (laughs) And she said, the problem is with you. You're just not right for the station. You're far too blue, Peter. (laughs) I went out to my car, which I finally paid for by this point, and cried my eyes out. I thought this is the end of the world. And um, a little bit later, obviously. Yes. Little did you know, you had a stellar career. I mean, we just followed all of it, obviously, as Gen X women. It was an interesting time, wasn't it, for women? We we had Fern Britton on the show recently, and she was saying how difficult those kind of decades, the sort of late 80s, 90s, were for women in the media. It was very competitive with men. You were probably possibly paid less than men. How did you find negotiating your career ladder and your success in that kind of environment? Probably for me, it was a little bit different than Fern's journey because I entered the world of children's television, Saturday morning television, Top of the Pops, Blue Peter, other television programmes in that sort of genre around it. Blue Peter obviously being you know, the jewel in the crown. So that type of competitiveness and that type of money division never happened because we were all paid exactly the same on Blue Peter. And when I left Blue Peter and did that massive gear change from Blue Peter to GMTV, and to be perfectly honest, it was Eamon's programme. They brought me in not to anchor the big stories, but to do what he didn't really want to do or it wasn't his remit. So if the Spice Girls came on, I interviewed them. And that was the way it was all carved up. But the responsibility of the programme was his. But this is where it twisted and changed because GMTV are realising they've got a bit of a commercial animal here. It was just at the time as well, remember, that was Hello Magazine and OK Magazine and then none of the newspapers want to be outdone. So they started doing their own little glossy magazine within their newspaper probably on a Friday or over the weekend. The fish that they were trying to net were were just us, really. So it became a feeding frenzy. Yeah. And I was right out at the front of that feeding frenzy together with Ulrika Johnson, Mm -hmm. Annika Rice, Gabby Roslin. You know, Princess Diana as well was was in that frenzy as well, not as a television presenter, obviously. It was a pressure cooker. It really was. You didn't quite realise how much you were in it, how much you were part of it and how much of yourself you were giving away at the time. I mean, from, from your point of view, and certainly when you look back on the, on the media, your private life then became an integral part of the story of, of you and the world and your job and your kind of professionalism. How right. did you protect yourself from that? Because it, it was really intrusive for you, I think. Well, I don't think I did, you see. That's the problem, because now, you know, somebody like, say, Holly Willoughby, they have PRs. Mm-hmm. If you'd had a, if I'd turned up anywhere and said, "Well, this is my PR," they'd have thought I was completely up myself. That wasn't what you did. Did it affect you? It was vile. It truly affected me, especially when things were made up, half truths, little grains of truth. And then, of course, I made that fatal mistake of being a little, probably a little bit too accessible, trying to say, "Oh no, it didn't happen like that." Well, no, I'll tell you the truth. Chit chat, chit chat, and then, of course, be completely and utterly annihilated or twisted, far too accessible. So, but nobody knew. I, we were the practice ground for all the people. Mm-hmm 
who have come since. These were uncharted waters of media intrusion and media interest, but also the only reason you do a magazine interview is to support your programme that you're working on. Did people stop you in the street? Were you kind of ambushed when you went to the supermarket or did you just stop doing the supermarket and all of that? People would, yes, of course they come up and they wanted to chat to you. And people are actually always consistently very charming, very nice, very respectful. Whatever newspapers do, that people are nice. So you said just before, Anthea, that sort of looking at life backwards helps you make much more sense of it and interestingly you've written a number of books from your experiences one of which is how to survive divorce now midlife is probably a a ripe time for women to start thinking about separating from partners if they're not in love anymore the kids have left home etc etc what is your advice obviously you put your personal experiences into the book and you you researched it what's your advice for any listeners who might be thinking about splitting up or going through divorce right now well, I think it depends which side of the fence you sit on on this one. So either you or the person who is thinking of splitting up from your partner, make sure you're doing the right thing. Oh my goodness, divorce is horrible. I'm going to use that word again, vile. It's not something that you should ever do lightly. We are so interconnected with our friends, our family, and I'm talking joint friends, joint mm-hmm. family. You've probably got children, stepchildren, blended families, all sorts. So you have to think long and hard because once that die is cast, it's very difficult to go back. Some people do manage it, but it's very difficult to go back. First of all, I would always say, do everything you can to save that marriage. Because sometimes, and you know, my ex-husband would say, if he was sitting here now, he'd say, actually, the marriage wasn't that bad. It couldn't have been mended. I was just off on one. So the other thing, of course, that happens to us is that our husbands, this is obviously in my case, decided that they went through a midlife school, it was a midlife crisis, mm-hmm. which often entails an affair. So, you know, and that happened to me. And what you're dealing with then is something, rejection. Mm-hmm. Rejection is one of the worst things a human deals with. We spoke about death a moment ago, obviously, in the case of my mom. She didn't reject me, she died. Mm. And they often say death is easier to deal with than divorce. Because divorce, if you're the one being rejected, you have to deal with a human emotion. We are not hardwired to deal with. Most importantly, when the die is cast, and this is what's going to happen, the way you deal with it is massively important because you have to remember there's a big life, the other side, divorce. It's up to you to go and grab it. But however many tears and however many bottles of red wine you drink, talk to your friends about it. And, and I couldn't deal with what was going on in my head. So I thought, no, I need a professional here because I can't put my friends for any more of this. I think it's really, really important to channel your wise woman. And I know that my three stepdaughters, they saw how I dealt with it. And I dealt with it so that we can all function. And we do as an odd little family so, so there is important. this life to look forward oh, to, isn't there? And, and you're, you're in love again as well, aren't you? So this, it's not the end of days, as it were. No, it's not. I wouldn't be the person I am sitting talking to you with the knowledge that I have about life, myself, and the fun I've been having if I hadn't got divorced. And I tell you what, I work very hard not to get divorced. Now I'm with the right person for me for this next section of my life. 
And nobody would be listening to this podcast if they weren't interested. You've got to stay interested. Well, you are very jolly and very positive. You do look very jolly and positive today. Tell us a little bit about staying fit because your books you you put a lot in in um how to age well the book so you're 62 you did celebrity sas which was extraordinary watching that was really inspirational how do you stay fit and i mean i think attitude is obviously always part of it well i i have always said that the elixir of life is definitely not in a pot of cream it is in your attitude i was given a reasonably good set of genes to start off with but i have never ever abuse those i love biscuits for you then anthea (laughs) i have a coca-cola twice a year a full fat coke on ice twice a year about hangover cure it's just it's amazing and i love red wine i do have a background in classical ballet there's something in your muscle memory that will stay with you i think deportment is hugely important i think that it's really important to do everyday movement correctly i'm sitting talking to you on the sofa but i am actually sitting up my back is straight if i'm walking along i people say what's the best stomach exercise just walk along but walk along check yourself constantly when you're walking it doesn't matter whether you're walking down the aisles at Sainsbury's. Check yourself walking, put your shoulders back. As soon as you put your shoulders back, you have to engage your core. Your core is your powerhouse. It's the most important part of your body. I know you can see legs and there's quads, but your core holds everything up. Make sure that you are always in the right position to stand up, sit down. Don't get out of bed using six little tiny strange movements to get out of bed. Swing your toes over, get up, stand up. Um, you know, stand up out of a chair. You don't need to use the sides of the chair to lever you or the table to lever you out. Now, the other thing I do, because I want to have hours in the day. I don't know these people who've got time to go to the gym constantly. I, I just, in my dreams. So I've got two kilogram of weights around my ankles. I haven't got them on just at the moment. I'm sitting chatting to you, but I will pop them on. I've got four flights of stairs here. I'm going up the stairs, down the stairs, two kilogram weights. I have a weight vest, which is five kilograms when i go out sometimes i take the dog out and i will put my, my weight vest on so well he is sniffing every blade of grass and battersea far i will be doing some squats with a five kilogram weight vest on and i've got wrist weights as well and the only thing i pop into the gym to do is some really heavy weights really hate running <laughs> i do break into a little pathetic trot or probably 20 minutes out 20 minutes back well pushing it is something that you're very good at i mean let's just look at some of these shows you've done i mean celebrity sas i I can't believe that the jump all of these very physically challenging shows the things that you've had to do for them and also they were so rude to you i thought on the sas we were sort of sitting on the sofa going grandma I thought that was so rude. I was like, you're out there flying the flag for midlife women. Anyway, um, have you... The thing is, can I just... What they try and do, you get very quickly how the army works. It Mm. works as a team. It works under discipline. You can't be holding a loaded gun where you have got a wick a centimetre long. You've got to be able to take it. And what they're doing is they're trying to get you to break. So they're thinking, what can we do to turn her to get her to break? Let's call her grandma, because she'll really hate that. So what they do is they are looking constantly mm-hmm. at something that they think will needle you. Did anything tip you over the edge on, on these shows? Because you just seem fearless, you seem so together, you're physically fit, you're together mentally. What has pushed you over the edge? 
the jump. So dangerous. It it was actually. I'm very proud to say I was last woman standing. I wasn't injured that much. I sort of pulled a few muscles, but nothing terrible. However, I ran away to the jump. The universe put that in my lap. It was my first Christmas after divorce. And I was facing my first Christmas on my own. And I know I've got friends and family. There's a chapter in my book called Bloody Christmas. Christmas is great if everything else is lovely in your life. And if it's not, Christmas is a horror. The worst. absolute horror. And I, for all the nice Christmases I've had, I've had pathetic Christmases that I've hated and just wanted to take a sleeping tablet and wake up and get over that two weeks to sleep through it. But I went to the jump. And so really, up until Christmas, I was in Austria skiing, came home very briefly for Christmas, knackered, time to pack and go back out again. The jump for me was sent from the universe to get me through my first Christmas. And I can't thank it enough. I was so frightened. I had to do something that frightened me so much. I couldn't think about all my woes. Well, you were very brave. We ask all our guests about their midlife experience and you've written about it in your book. I was really struck um, because you're on HRT and you went to the GP, so you must have been, this was 10 years ago, but you said you found a letter that you'd written to your husband explaining how weird you felt, how out of sorts you were, and and you must have been going through the perimenopause at the time. Talk us through your midlife experience and and what you've learned from it from women who are about to go into it would like to know. It's only 10 years ago and I was going through it, and now there is so much information out there and so many people have come forward and spoken. I hadn't a clue what was going on. I remember speaking to my mum who maintained she never went through the menopause. Oh, no. I remember her being an absolute moo to all of us. My dad, I remember this time in her life when we'd always done something wrong and she was telling us off. And I just remember there was probably 12 months that were not particularly harmonious in our household. And I know exactly what she was going through. But of course, that generation was still not happy to believe that anything happened at all. We just got on with it. But actually, we don't need to get on with it now. We need to talk about it. It's a horrible time. You just all of a sudden don't feel yourself and I know that sounds such a pathetic thing to say oh I don't feel myself but you really don't you feel like somebody's invaded your body all your your markers are all out by a few degrees I got spots on my back and I was sweating and I felt like my confidence was going I was getting brain fog I was questioning myself you want to turn to the person who is most important in your life who's your husband and I couldn't I'd been going backwards and forwards to Toronto at the time because I was doing um, I was doing a program out there and I was sort of commuting. Um, but of course, what I didn't realise is at the time he was going through his own little menopause and he'd obviously taken up with a very exciting in his life, 24-year-old. So his sweaty, moaning wife was, was just like the last thing he wanted. And I did, I wrote this little letter saying, you know, please understand that. And because I, I then went reading up about it and found out a lot more about it and and I tried to explain and I thought I'm going to write this down and I wrote it all down. You saw Dr Louise Newson who we've had as yeah. a guest on the show and you yeah, saw yeah, her yeah. before anyone was talking about it so you were very lucky weren't you to have found so, your way through my, that. Well, I had a couple of strokes of luck one was that I went to see my local doctor who first of all was a chap 
And he just put me, he said, uh, I needed some anxiety tablets. So he gave me anxiety tablets. And I remember looking at them thinking, I just, I don't even want to take you because I'm really worried about taking you. So I went back to go and see the doctor and he wasn't there. And there was a lady doctor there. And she said, oh, don't you, see, you don't need those. What you need is HRT. Of course, it was a one tablet fits all. But she said, no, you want this. And she put me on HRT. And it, you know, golden, absolutely amazing. It made a huge difference. Unfortunately, there were other things going wrong in my life. So, you know, I, I sort of get a little bit fuzzy of where perimenopause, menopause and divorce sort of end and finish because it all ended up in, in sort of just a, a catastrophe in my life. <laughs> so it's very difficult to compartmentalise, really. And this is what I, I feel is very important for anybody who's, who's listening now. You know, HRT is fantastic, but it's not the one cure. Never has there been a better time for you to check on your health. I was very lucky that I met Louise Newsom because I happened to chair something. Um, it was an event. Well-being of women, I think, isn't Well-being it? Well-being yeah. of women, yeah, yeah that was yeah. it. It was Andrew McLean couldn't make it. So, <laughs> so, so a friend of mine rang me up and said, could you just step in, please? My goodness me, I have to thank Andrea McLean for whatever it was, whatever the reason why she couldn't make it. Because there I met Louise Newsom and I started to pull together even more information because our health and our hormonal health is a constantly moving target. Don't think, oh, I take this tablet and it's all okay. It's not. Constantly tidy up as you go along. My little perfect housewife bit coming out there. Always keep checking, editing yourself, your book of life. Don't ever sit back and think it's all okay because you just always want to be tweaking. We could eat rubbish when we were younger. We can't now. I lived on pot noodles for about three years when I was in my (laughs) 20s. Absolutely. (laughs) If we have a choice, let's please try and take that choice. Look after yourself. Mm -hmm. And actually, self-care isn't selfish. And if you're listening, just think of yourself and think of all those people who depend on you, whether it be parents, children, friends, other extended family, they depend on you and your health. My advice is always look after yourself, 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 because Mm -hmm. you can only look after others if you look after yourself. Right. We've come to the point where at the end of our chat, we wondered whether you'd be up for a little quick Gen X pop quiz or a little either or. Can we we fire a few things at you? Just some of our favourites. See what you like the most. Are you Swap Shop or Tizwas? I've got to say both. My Gemini, so I I can. (laughs) Both of them. And I once went up to Birmingham to watch Tizwas. Oh, Trevor McDonald will always be Trevor McDonald. Trevor McDonald. What about Angel Delight or Spotted Dick? Angel Delight. I've got some in the cupboard. Have you? Mark is obsessed with banana Angel Delight. He actually (laughs) likes the strawberry. I can do the banana, not the strawberry. But I put a banana in it to try and, you know, give it a little bit of something. This is how we make relationships work. (laughs) We get it on Amazon because the the banana flavour is difficult to get hold of. (laughs) There we go. We said she was full of amazing tips and useful advice. Right. Like a prayer or like a virgin? Like a virgin. Uh, oh yeah now i know you like cars golf gti or mark three ford escort golf gti i had two i loved it i i played cinderella in a panto for the one reason i wanted to buy a golf gti and i managed to buy it 
Oh, you've been very entertaining, Anthea. So what next, though? What next for you? is that, I mean, you've written seven books. You've been on every dangerous reality show there is, risking life and limb. What, what's your plan for the rest of this year into next year? Mark and I have got to get married sometime soon. Okay, we've, that's exciting. Uh, we've, got, we've got a few ideas and then we come up with an idea and then we think, oh, that's going to be a lot of effort, isn't it? And then we go and do something else. We've got you, you met in a nightclub, didn't you? Which is oh, we never went to. Well, we met in a nightclub, but we don't actually remember. I don't remember. <laughs> um, apparently, I went. Oh, hello! But it was actually my friend Lizzie Cundy set us up on a blind date. She went to a party. She saw him, and she said, "I know who you really get on with because it's a bit quirky." My friend out here, and I then I said to her, she said, You've got to go on this date, I'm setting you up, and I wouldn't go. So, so much was I not going to go on this date. Lizzie came with me, she made me go by <laughs> double date. And that was a double, yes. Yeah. So, we all went, and she brought her boyfriend at the time along on this date. And the rest is history. We've not been apart since, really. Well, thank you for coming on Postcards from Midlife and sharing all your you. knowledge with us. Thank you so much, it's been a pleasure. So it's nostalgia noodle time and you know my mind works in mysterious ways. Lane. I don't that's, understand. The I know, but that's the mind. the idea of a noodle, isn't it? Your brain sort of noodly doodlebees yeah. and something pops in. And you know oh, our man. night dress sewing chat the other week? Yes, yes. Well, I don't know why, but it made Miss Ellie from Dallas pop into well, she did used to come downstairs in her nightdress or she would be in the kitchen exactly. having... Yeah. Yes, so then I kind of did a bit of Googling and thought, oh, that's why. And there's pictures of her in big sort of ruched yes. neck sack-like nightdresses. Like so maybe that was the um, the inspiration that they got us to make these nightdresses based on Miss Ellie. But um, while I was uh, pondering and reading about Miss Ellie, the actress Barbara Bel Geddes, she was my age when she was Miss Ellie. <laughs> What the hell? She was the grand matriarch. Exactly. She was supposed to be the wise woman elder yes. of the tribe of Exactly. Dallas. So she was actually 56, a bit older than me, um, when Dallas oh launched God. in 1978. And guess how old her son, J.R., a.k.a. Larry Hagman, was? Oh, don't tell me, 58. Uh, <laughs> almost. He was nine years younger than her. So, oh, you know. That's how they thought <laughs> women were just old. Once they got... Exactly. 38 they were just she did always have a sort of misty camera across across her she had a sort of watery eyes but anyway i did love thinking about miss ellie do you know much about miss ellie the golden girls were in their 50s as well and they were supposed to be really old and um you know who else i discovered um nora batty was oh don't tell me 27 45 she would have worn one of those nightdresses isn't it in our midlife years with all this mixed messaging and bizarre everything how women age rules do you remember hey mickey this is my nostalgia noodle hey Hey, mickey Mickey, you're so yeah yeah i can see you moving your arms so she was a cheerleader yes tony something tony uh basil tony Tony Basil. basil that's the one it was her birthday last week how old do you think Tony Oh, God, Basil don't was? tell me. I'm going to guess really badly and say 74. 79. Oh, I was new there. Goodness. So this doesn't make any sense. And I said, it can't yeah. possibly be 79 because she would have been a cheerleader when she did that video because there was a lot of cheerleading yes. moves in it, having been subjected to a lot of cheerleading, school-watching things. She was 38 when she made Tony oh, Wow. Good for her. Good for Good her. Good for her. Very bouncy. But just one more, and it ties oh. into night dresses, because she this one would definitely have not worn a night 
dressed like a big sack. It would have been a negligee. Nurse Gladys Emmanuel from... A negligee. Oh, open all hours. Do you remember Nurse Gladys? Yes. Ginger hair. She, she was fabulous. Linda Barron. She was 37 when that started and Ronnie Barker was 47. But I think he was supposed to be older than her, wasn't he? I think that was... I don't know. You know I thought he like... was perpetually supposed to be about a small boy, wasn't he, in that ridiculous series? Oh, no, that was Del so... Boy. Oh, my God. Who knows? Oh, my God. <laughs> David Jason, come on, get with it. Well, that brings us to the end of another episode of Postcards from Midlife. New episodes are available to listen to every Sunday on your podcast provider. Please do download them and subscribe because that counts on our listener numbers and is really helpful for us. And some ratings and reviews would be marvellous as well. Yes, please. We'd love some reviews. And do tell your friends about us. We want as many women as possible to join in the midlife conversation, which is what our private Facebook group is all about. And we mention it often. We monitor it daily. So if you're not a member yet come over and join in the chat yes and please post feedback nostalgia noodles rain fog all of those sorts of things we love to hear about those on the group and suggestions of things you'd like to hear talked about or celebrities and experts you'd love to hear interviewed and of course you can email us at hello at postcardsfrommidlife.com or pop a little message on the instagram goodbye bye Hi, this is Craig Robinson from Ways to Win. And support for this podcast comes from Invesco QQQ, the official ETF of the NCAA. Invesco QQQ is proud to sponsor this episode and even prouder to provide access to innovation for the last 25 years. Basketball has had innovations over the years, too. We're seeing the game played in new ways every day. Learn more at Invesco.com slash QQQ. Let's rethink possibility. Invesco Distributors, Inc.